everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. I'm Janine Strong, and today my inspiring conversation is with James Jensen. Jim Jensen began his career as a young salesman with Encyclopedia Britannica, for those of you who remember Encyclopedia Britannica, and he quickly rose to the top of great books of the Western world. In 1969, Jim and his wife, Jerry, attended a four-day seminar that would forever have an incredible impact on their lives. That seminar was Omega, uh, taught by John Boyle. Jim became both a voracious student and ultimately teacher of the many principles written in the book, Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind. Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind will change the way you perceive your thoughts. The belief in owning your subconscious thoughts will shape your life, your environment, and most importantly, you. Hi, Jim. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Well, thank you, uh, Jeanne. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah. And, uh, enter- and hello to your audience. Oh, thank you. Yes, we've had um, we've had little technical issues, so we had to reschedule, and we got that all figured out. But it gave us a chance to um, to get to know each other, and I'm I'm really excited to have you on. The timing for our time right now is uh, is perfect. Indeed. So let's start with, since I mentioned in the introduction, this four-day seminar that changed your life. Uh, what was the seminar? What was it about? How did it, how did it change you? Well, I started, as you mentioned, uh, my career at the age of 20 as a senior in college with Encyclopedia Britannica and soon became one of their top salespeople and at the age of 23, their youngest division manager, and at the age of 25, my wife and I were sent to Sydney, Australia to be in charge of sales for all of Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And in January of 1969, uh, I was placed in charge of worldwide sales, and we moved back to the United States to Chicago, which is where the headquarters of Britannica was. And I was often asked by so many people, what do you attribute to your success? And, you know, this was mm-hmm. before the Internet and whatever, and I would just respond, well, you know, I've got a great attitude. I'm very positive. You know, I work hard, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and in, hind- in hindsight, in hindsight, nothing that I ever thought would help them. Mm-hmm. And while we were living in Australia, a lot of our friends from Seattle said, you've got to go through this four-day seminar called Omega. And I said, well, when we get back to the United States, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. So in October of 1969, my wife and I flew out to San Diego And we went through this four-day seminar, as you mentioned, called Omega, taught by its founder, John Boyle. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, I really understood the principles of performance and behavior, and I felt like I had a toolkit in which I could share the data with others to increase their effectiveness and success, not just in their work, but in relationships, in parenting, teaching, coaching, their personal health. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I went up to John Boyle at the end of the seminar and affectionately poked him in the chest (laughs) and said, John, someday I'm going to teach your seminar and someday I'm going to own your company. And he kind of looked at me, all right, kid. (laughs) But both those things came to pass. Wow, that was pretty bold. (laughs) During the whole period, I was learning how to teach this content. I used to say, John, where did you learn all this information? And all he said to me was, well, I studied with uh, a fellow by the name of Joseph Murphy. Uh-huh. Now, he, didn't tell me, he didn't tell me he'd written a book. And, you know, he wrote the book in 1963. I went through the seminar in 1969. Well, there was still, still no Internet. There was no way I could Google mm-hmm. Joseph mm-hmm. Murphy. And it wasn't until 2004. My wife and I were living in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh-huh. And one of my uh, teammates came into my office. He said, you know, Jim, I've heard you speak, and I think you might like this book. And he put this book on my desk called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph, Dr. Joseph Murphy. <laughs> I thought, could this be the same Joseph Murphy? Uh, yeah. And in fact, 
and in fact it was. Oh wow! And and uh, so the book expand the power of your subconscious mind is in two parts. The first part is the entirety of Joseph Murphy's original work. Okay. Again, written in 1963. Mm-hmm. But so much has happened in this field of study since then mm-hmm. that we felt there was an opportunity to bring his work into the 21st century. And so part two is what I have added to his original work, and thus the title, Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind. Oh, interesting. Now, when did you write Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind? Well, I've kind of written it in different formats uh, Mm -hmm. for several years, but the new edition, Mm -hmm. uh, the first time under that title, Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind, was just released by Simon & Schuster September 1st. Oh, okay. Oh, so we're, wow. we're, we're just, and we're going like steam, and it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, with uh, all of the lockdowns and social distancing and people losing their jobs and, you know, kind of flailing, I would say, many people are, and, and anxious, this seems like perfect timing. Well, I think it is. And I would say to their, your audience, if they wanted to learn more of what we're talking about, they could go to my website, which is simply my name, mm-hmm. in all lowercase letters, cjamesjensen.com. In fact, this uh, interview with you will be posted with your permission oh, on my course. website as well. Of course. Well, as many people know, this is my service. I don't, I don't make any uh, income doing this. And to get the podcast out and expand the listening audience, I ask my guests to please share. <laughs> okay, so let's let's get into the the meat of the sub. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> let's get into the meat of the subject. What is the underlying concept here? Well, if you think of the title, "Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind," let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Okay. So. We all know what the conscious area of our mind is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our daily thinking, people listening right now, interpreting what we're saying, thinking about where they're going to dinner tonight, all these different thoughts. If your and, restaurant's open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Through self-talk, uh, people need to be aware that we talk to ourselves all day long at the rate of 150 to 300 words a minute over 50,000 thoughts a day. So right now, as we're having this broadcast, people are listening to what they're saying, they're thinking about what they're hearing, but they're also thinking, you know, where am I going to dinner tonight? What am I doing? Oh, gosh, we have that thing coming up this weekend. That'll be, I mean, all these various thoughts. That all happens at the conscious level. Now, when we go to sleep at night, that switch gets turned off. Thank goodness. So the, (laughs) the conscious area is, you know, what we perceive, what we say to ourselves, what we say to others. Now, let's talk about the second area, which is the subconscious. Okay. Regretfully, most schools today are teaching their students that the subconscious primarily handles our bodily functions. It grows our hair, our nails, digests our food, uh, heals a wound, mm-hmm. okay. but beyond that, and this is what we teach in the book, the subconscious is also a servo mechanism that works 24 hours a day carrying out the instructions given to it by the conscious area of the mind. And it's totally non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say, gee, Jim, are you sure that's what you want to do? That doesn't sound <laughs> very good. It will work just as hard to achieve a negative instruction mm. as it will a positive. It's, it's, a, it's a servo mechanism. It doesn't sleep. It works 24-7. And wow. the analogy that Dr. Murphy uses in his book, he said, Verbal, uh, visualize an ocean liner going across the sea. And the captain would be, uh, you know, like the conscious area of the mind, up in the helm of the ship, barking out signals to the crew, full speed ahead, starboard, 10 degrees north, whatever. Mm -hmm. And the crew is like the subconscious down in the hold of the ship below the water level, can't even see where the ship is going. 
Mm. And they simply say, aye, aye, sir, mm-hmm. carrying mm-hmm. out the orders, not minding if they run the ship into the rocks, hit another vessel, or get it safely to its destination. So once we expand our understanding and realization of this incredible tool mm-hmm. that we have mm-hmm. that works 24-7 on our behalf, at the conscious level, we could become much more aware of what we're saying to ourselves. For example, if I said to myself, gosh, I don't know why, but every time I get in front of an audience, I get so nervous, I lose my place. You know, and the subconscious says, got a boss, we'll take care of it. <laughs> and now, if that's not what I want, you know, I, I have to quit saying that mm-hmm. with myself mm-hmm. and restructure that and say, you know, I used to get nervous in front of a group, but now I feel so wonderful, so at ease, so, you know, connected to my group that I really relate perfectly with them and never feel any, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. the subconscious has got it, bots, you know, and we'll, we can talk about the process of how we reprogram uh, the subconscious through the use of affirmations. Mm-hmm. But the greatest mm-hmm. gift, if there's one principal thing uh, in our broadcast today that we can share with the audience is to, be- and it's all in the book, but to better understand the true relationship between the conscious and subconscious areas of the mind. Mm-hmm. Now, very quickly, there's a third area of the mind okay. called the supra, S-U-P-R-A, not super, uh-huh. the supraconscious. Okay. And the supraconscious is the understanding that at some level within our system, we have access to virtually all information, not just that stored in our memory bank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's a deliberate way to, and we've all had this experience where, you know, let's say we're working on a problem, we've identified the possible solutions. God, we keep working it and working it. God, we just don't get the answer that we want. And now we're doing something, we're not even thinking about it. That's very important, and I'll take you through the mm-hmm. five steps mm-hmm. to use the supraconscious. And we might be going for a walk, playing golf, and boom, out of the clear blue comes this blinding flash of the obvious with the perfect solution yep. to the problem. We say, that's, that's it. And then we say with our own self-talk, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't <laughs> I think of that? Well, who did? The supraconscious. Mm-hmm. So the five steps that we teach in the book in problem solving is one, identify the problem, two, you know, gather the possible solutions, and three, try to solve it at the conscious level. And 90, 90 to 95% of our, pro- our problems will get solved in those three steps. But when we get to a point where we find ourselves spinning our wheels, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we say, you know, I'm going to turn this over to the superconscious. So step four is we turn it over to the superconscious. We clearly state what the problem is or whatever we're working on that we need additional data. Now, here's step five that's so important. We don't take the problem back at the conscious level. We get busy doing something else right. because the supraconscious cannot work or get through to us when the conscious mind is still working on that particular thing. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and, and I'll tell you one time in Portland, uh, Oregon, I was president and CEO of a company, and we were growing very rapidly. And we got, we got stuck on our, but but all of our managers, directors, uh, you know, had all been taught this material. And... On a Friday, I, I grabbed six of our top people together, and one of whom was Kathy Hornsby, our corporate secretary, to take notes. And I said, look, you know, we're kind of stuck on this marketing issue, and why haven't we come up with a solution? Here's what I'd like us to do. I want all of us, this was on a Friday, to turn this over to the supraconscious. We're going to meet next Monday morning, and I want to hear the perfect solution. Everybody agree. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We get together Monday at 10 o'clock. I said, okay, what's the answer to this thing we've been working on? And none of the marketing people raised their hands, but little Kathy Hornsby raised her hand. She couldn't spell marketing. <laughs> she said, you know, Jim, I was working in my garden over the weekend. And I happened to think, why wouldn't we be able to do, you know, and she goes, one, two, three, four, five. And all the marketing geniuses, their jaws dropped like, <laughs> holy moly. You know, that is the perfect solution. 
So this is really a very, very powerful tool, and we uh, uh, teach that in the book. Uh-huh. Well, I I am learning a lot. Oh, and by the way, may, may I share one? Other, oh, sure. Excuse me for interrupting. May, no. may I share one other thing mm-hmm. that everybody in our audience has probably had this experience with the superconscious. Mm-hmm. Let's say we're going on a trip tomorrow morning. We normally get up at 6 in the morning, but tomorrow we're going to get up at 4 in the morning. We don't necessarily go to bed earlier. We might go to bed later because we're doing last-minute you know, packing, et cetera, right. yeah. et cetera. <laughs> so we set the alarm. You know, we call the person we're traveling with you know, and say, uh, Janine, would you please call me at 4 o'clock in the morning? And we go to sleep. We're sound asleep. The room is totally dark. And we awake with a start, mm-hmm. and the room's quiet, and we look over toward the alarm clock, and the minute hand is moving from 3.59 to 4, and <laughs> the alarm clock goes up. <laughs> the phone rings, and but what really woke us up? It was the supraconscious, because we had said so much over and over, it's so important. That I wake up at four. I just have got to wake up at four. I can't oversleep. And they just said, "We got it. You know, go to sleep. We'll take mm-hmm. care of it." Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there's probably not one person listening to our show here that hasn't had that or a very similar experience. Right, right. I'm finding this fascinating because I do this all the time, but I didn't know the principles underneath it at all. Because I like to know how things work and why things work. And would you say the um, the superconscious is is accessing the information field. Yes. Yes, the, the infinite universal field of knowledge. And this is not taught the supraconscious and the problem-solving things that we're talking about. is not taught in part one of the book, Dr. Murphy's book, but that's one of the things that I've added to this field of study, which is in part two of the book. Yes. Okay. So now you mentioned affirmations. And I've always had, um, well, a bit of a kind of a push-pull around affirmations because they don't always work. Well, uh, I'll jump ahead for a moment, then we'll come back to it. And if we talk about the last chapter in the book, Moving On, An Invitation to the Path of Enlightenment, Mm -hmm. we'll find how our growth can become more of a process of subtraction than addition. by getting rid of some of the old data input Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. given to us by well-intending parents, Mm -hmm. teachers, coaches, older siblings, Mm -hmm. that has become Mm -hmm. so much of our belief system. But we'll come back back to that. So the, the thing about affirmations, so many people I have worked with and know have said, you know, I've tried affirmations. They just don't work for me. And I say, well, what do you do? They said, well, I write a statement about something I'd like, you know, and I say it in change in my life, and something I say over and over and over, but it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I said, is that all you do? And they said, yeah. I said, well, there's three steps Mm -hmm. to successfully using affirmations. One is we write a statement, first person, present tense. Not I'm going to. Mm -hmm but as though we've already achieved it. Let me use an example, because okay. uh, this actually happened in my life. I had a period where I'd, I don't know why, but I'd gained some excess weight, and my <laughs> physician said, you know, Jim, uh, you weigh 225 pounds, and I think you'd feel a lot better if you lost 25 pounds, and we got you down to around 200. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I don't need to diet. I, 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 I'm going to do this. Now, a lot of times, so... I develop a statement, I look good and feel good at 200 pounds. Okay. So that's the first part of the affirmation process. So it has now, to be a lot in the of people, present tense. Correct. Okay. Now, a lot of people don't do steps two and three, and then they come back and they say, you know, I've tried affirmations, they just don't work for me. So step one is to write the statement factor belief as though it has already occurred. Mm -hmm. So my first step is I look good and feel good at 200 pounds. Now, step two, which is what oftentimes people miss, is 
visualize what that really looks like. And so I support the affirmation with a visualization. I see myself walking into the office in my new suit. (laughs) And then step three is the feelings that we get with having achieved that. And my fellow employees say, Jim, you look so great having lost all that weight. And then I feel the emotion, the emotional feeling of having achieved that. And we, we outline all of this in detail in part two of the book. But affirmations are a three-step process. And so many people have said, oh, my gosh, I've tried affirmations. They just don't work for me. And almost every time I've asked how they do the affirmations, they eliminate step two. And they don't mention step two or step three. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and by okay. the way, mm-hmm. this, this doesn't give me permission to move my bed next to the refrigerator. You know, <laughs> so we, we've got to do some constructive things in our diet that helped this whole process. Right. But I look good and feel good at 200 pounds, and I, it, it just it works. It works every time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's important that it be in the present tense. I think that I, I, that's such a good point yes. because I think a lot of times people will say what they want, or it, but yeah. then it's always out in the future. It's never, yeah. it's never in the now. I'm going to. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's got to be first person, present tense. Right. right now, as though it's actually happening. Right. And then the second part, actually taking some time to visualize, to really see yourself being, doing whatever it is you're, you're trying to accomplish. Well, let's say that I, I used an example earlier. Let's say that somebody has constantly experienced uh, disconnection, nervousness, whatever, in mm-hmm. speaking in front of a group, mm-hmm. and we want to change that. Mm-hmm. So the affirmation might be, I really enjoy uh, speaking in front of groups. In fact, I'm very, very good at it, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. effective. Now, the visualization is they see themselves up in front of that group, sharing their information, seeing the smiles on the faces of the audience, and they're nodding in agreement with what they're saying. And then I feel so good mm-hmm. that I am very effective uh, um, in speaking in front of large groups mm-hmm. and changing what used to be a negative, you know, a negative statement that resulted in, in negative performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, taking that example you just gave us, would the third step, um, let's see, would the third step be maybe seeing, hearing people congratulating you and what a great job you did? They stand up and give me a standing ovation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I see all of them smiling and they're waving and yes, that's great. Wow, that was terrific. And I feel so good. I mean, this is not make-believe stuff. And mm-hmm. please, audience, trust me that I've lived with this now for, gosh, almost 50 years. I guess it has been 50 <laughs> years. It has been 50 years. <clears throat> and uh, it is MN. And I give all the credit. I did not create this. This is why it's easy for me to be boastful (laughs) about the content that we're sharing with Mm -hmm. you today, Mm -hmm. which I'm not thinking is being boastful about me, because we learned from the masters who really created this content, and it's still continuing to develop, Mm -hmm. and especially when we get to the supraconscious, Mm -hmm. and how we have the capacity to reach outside into this universal field of knowledge, you know, for other information. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. incredibly powerful. Right. I know. I mean, we, there's no way we know everything, but there's so much information out there that we can access. Well, we, well, let me just say, we may not know everything, but we may have access to everything. Right. Right. Exactly. Thank you for clarifying that. So, okay. So to go finish up the visualization part, oh dear, I hope I'm not having a senior moment because I had an idea. Um, Let's see. Da, da, da. Oh, fear. So well, let me just this... say, you used to, you used to have <laughs> senior moments, but you no longer have senior moments. In fact, every day as you grow along the path of life, you recall things better and better than you ever have before. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I laughing. That. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you very much. I'm laughing quite a bit here. Thank you. Yes. Negative self-talk is... You know, it's something that I think the first step is to catch yourself, right? Because you have to catch yourself uh, doing negative self-talk before you can actually change it. 
okay, so say someone's gone through the three steps and they still feel fearful. There's still a part of them that feels like, oh, it's just not going to happen. They, they doubt themselves. They, they are fearful. How, how would you handle something like that? Well, you know, I, I would say if this is new, a new process for mm-hmm. our listeners, for many of our listeners, mm-hmm. you know, take some baby steps. You don't need to say, okay, I'm going to walk across the lake on water. You know? <laughs> uh, but, but take some, you know, baby steps and, and uh, you'll get successes and you may have some things that take longer to achieve. But as you get these successes and you can attribute the accomplishment and the achievement, let's say it's been supplemented by the affirmation process, mm-hmm. and you individually acknowledge that I think I've got a new toolkit here that's going to help me. Let, me. let me add to your question this answer. Mm-hmm. Most of us have been conditioned to grow through life thinking that success and what we want to accomplish is always a process of adding to, a process of addition. Mm -hmm. Now, the last chapter in the book is titled, Moving On, (laughs) an invitation, moving on, an invitation to the path of enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And I quote at the very beginning, prior to even the beginning of the chapter, Lao Tzu, Mm-hmm. The famous Chinese philosopher yes. who says, in the process of learning, something is added every day. In the process of enlightenment, something is taken away every day. Ooh. And he ends the book saying, visualize a tugboat going through the water, pulling a big barge of garbage (laughs) and all the energy that this tugboat is exerting to pull this big barge of garbage. Mm -hmm. In that example, all we have to do is go up and cut the line Mm -hmm. between the tugboat and the barge. Well, what's in the barge? Early childhood beliefs given to us, by the way, by Mm well-intending, loving Mm -hmm. parents, teachers, coaches, older siblings. You know, but for somebody, a parent to say to a eight or nine year old child, you know, you're, you're just like your brother. He was lousy at math, too. <laughs> Why is it you guys are so loud? La- well, you know, that's God talking to a younger child, mm-hmm. you know, looking up and saying, oh, my goodness. And, and then if the self-talk takes on, gosh, I've always been lousy at math. I'm always, you know, the subconscious says, hey, we got it. We'll make sure you are. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so what are the, what's the data input? that may still be part of our big storage bank that is irrelevant to how we want to live our lives today. It's no longer relevant. And then what's the process that we can use to empty that garbage? Mm-hmm. And that's all covered, uh, again, in the book. And it's, it's very easy to do, very methodical. Mm-hmm. But think of how many, how many of our thoughts are really, you know, engraved in our system of who we think we are uh, from the way we were raised. And they could be religious beliefs, political beliefs, uh, our capability as an athlete, or, or we're just a klutz. You know, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's the, the data input at an early age and is so incredibly important to us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was the big aha that I got when I went through this four-day seminar. And my wife and I, although we've been married, for five years, by the time we went through the seminar, we were blessed that we had not yet had our children. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I guarantee you, when they came into our lives, we had a new toolkit of how we could really help them in their own growth and development. And I couldn't be more proud of what they have done in their lives and what they're doing to help others as well. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, it, and it, you know, it kind of, I mean, I've, I've well, I've I've caught myself doing that with with kids, you know, and it just it's just kind of accidental. It just sort of happens that I saying something that, and I think, oh gosh, I hope that doesn't, <laughs> you know, hope that doesn't uh, 
scar them in some way for life. And it, it, it's not the intention to be to be harmful. Sometimes I feel like I'm just stating a fact, but I know that oftentimes it can be just some kind of offhanded comment that really sticks with someone for the rest of their life and can affect them. Well, when I think we now have a better understanding of how that can affect them, and, you know, maybe we were distracted and we made some statement. I mean, that's part of the human condition. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But when we realize that we don't really want, in this case, the child or whoever we're talking to, to carry that around, we, we can come back the next day and say, hey, Johnny, Sally, whoever, you know, yesterday when we were talking about da 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 I made the comment that, and I've thought about that overnight, and, you know, that that doesn't have to be who you are at all. That was just a one-time, you know, I, I love uh, talking about mistakes. And I always use the analogy in movies where they do the outtakes mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. the end of the movie <laughs> and all the places where the actors screwed up. Yep. And the actors are showing, and who laughs the hardest? The, the actors. Yeah. You know, it was just it was just a mistake. Yeah. And so I would say to my child or my employee or my spouse or whoever, honey, I think I made an error in what I said to you. You know, that was just a one-time little deal. That's not who you are. And I apologize because you're so good at this, that, and so on. Let's just erase that, please, and and get rid of it. It, it, That was a dumb statement on my part. I love you unconditionally. Let's move the the train on down the tracks, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, so how about, um, how does this affect our health, this, you know, negative self-talk? Can we affect our health in a positive direction by doing some of these techniques? Absolutely. Remember again, the conscious is the subconscious is this cerebral mechanism carrying out what we tell it to do or who we are, what we are, whatever. Mm-hmm. So if I say, "Gosh, why do I always get sick in June?" Or, uh, <laughs> uh, and by the way, one of the seminars that we had, the people in the group were what we called retreads. They were people that had previously been through the seminar and they were always great to have in the class because that particular example we said anybody like to share anything they've learned from their prior experiences and the husband and wife together stood up and said you know for 10 12 15 years everybody in our family every june has always got the flu or a cold or some doggone thing we just assumed that's who we were when we realized we were affirming or instructing that to the subconscious and they acted on our behalf. We changed that language. And since we've been to the seminar, not one person in our family has had any physical disruption in June or any other time. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I mean, uh, we could listen. I'd like to use the word supplement. Okay. I mean, there may be a, you know, if my car, car runs off the ditch and hits a tree and I have an accident, then that, that's what happened. But, well, we can supplement the healing process by not reinforcing, gosh, I've got this, I'm really, mm-hmm. I'm, I've mm-hmm. got this bad condition, but uh, okay, I had apparently a temporary setback with this condition, but now I'm going to visualize myself without it. I don't need it. And we can help that healing process. There's one thing as it relates to healing that I talk about in the last I think five or six pages of the book. Mm-hmm. And with your experience in the health field, I mm-hmm. think you'll relate to this. We were living in Sun Valley, mm-hmm. Idaho in 1981. And I came down with apparently what was diagnosed as an acute case of mononucleosis. Mm. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and uh, my doctor was a friend and he said, Jim, I want you to come in and see me. And when he took my blood and did this and did that, he says, Jim, I've got to admit you to the hospital. We need to do da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So I said, okay. So I go into the hospital, and I'm in a bed in an emergency room, and I say to the doctor, well, how long is it going to take to get rid of this? 
Mm-hmm. He said, typically, Jim, it's uh, between four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I apologize, but I can't accept that because we're moving to <laughs> Seattle, Washington in the next week, and I'm assuming a new position as the president and CEO of a company in seven days. And he looks at me and kind of chuckles, said, well, Jim, I appreciate your positive attitude, you know, but the molecules, he goes, the, the, whatever he goes through and describes the whole scientific description mm-hmm. of mononucleosis. Mm-hmm. So I had been meditating for a number of years, and I said to myself, I've got to get rid of this condition tonight. I'm going to do that. And here I am sitting in a bed with tubes in my arms, and that night I never went to sleep. But Mm -hmm. I just visualized white light energy coming in through my third eye, Mm -hmm. permeating, working its way down through my body, and just zapping any cell that wasn't supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. I've never had that experience like this before or since, as vivid as it was in this one. And wow. I did this all night long. And in the morning, I felt so great, I called my wife. I said, honey, would you please bring to the hospital my running shoes, uh, shorts, and a T-shirt? And wow. the doctor on duty was a different doctor. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to go for a run. <laughs> he says, Mr. Jensen, respectfully, he says, you won't be able to get to the front door. I said, well, I will sign a waiver, I'll sign a release, but please take these tubes out of my arm. And my wife got there, I put on my running shoes, and, and, and he was actually right. Uh, I, I didn't run to the f- front door, but I did run eight miles. Oh, my goodness. Which in, Sun Valley, which in Sun Valley is called the Loop. When I got back, my friend, the physician, was there. He says, what the hell are you doing? I says, please draw my blood and tell me about my condition. Uh I'm going home, give me a call. He called me an hour later. He said, would you please come back? We have to do another blood draw. (laughs) And I kind of chuckled to myself, but he was a friend, and I respected, you know, Mm -hmm. his profession. Mm -hmm. But I said to myself, yeah, I don't have mononucleosis. But I went back, they did another blood draw. He says, Jim, I don't get this. Uh, We show no mononucleosis in your body. Mm-hmm. I said, gosh, that, that's, I didn't say, well, I told you. I just said, well, <laughs> gosh, that's really great. And when I left, I just kind of looked up and said, you know, it could be thank you, God, thank you, universe, thank you, whoever. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. Uh, you know, uh, so this stuff really does work. Now, that's a very, for me, unusual and for most people example, but it is a true example. And I've had other such things, as I know you have and have observed mm-hmm. in your profession mm-hmm. in the healing art. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that if you break your arm, you sit around and say, it's not broken, it's not broken. Uh, hell, right. you go to a doctor and say, fix the goddamn thing. But you can visualize <laughs> it healing quickly. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pardon my language. I didn't mean to. Oh, please. But, no problem. Uh, uh, but yes, uh, the, you, you've got that correct. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think this is this is an interesting topic right now because winter is coming and I'm constantly hearing, you know, winter's coming. We all expect flus and colds, right? It, it's kind of like the, the meme out there is everybody's going to get, not me, but everybody's going to get flu and a cold this winter and we have to be careful. And I just hear all of this fear that's being constantly pumped at everyone that we've got to be scared, we've got to be afraid because COVID's going to come back or, you know, you're going to get the flu and it's going to be serious or you're going to have serious colds. And and it's like we're constantly being dumped on with all of this negative information that leads to negative self-talk about how we're going to all be sick this winter. That's correct. And, and we don't have to go out and try to change everybody else's statement or beliefs about that, but we can choose how we want to right. feel about that. Right. So, I mean, you and I would say, gosh, uh, I'm sorry so many people feel that way, but, you know, uh, we really enjoy the winters. It's, it's been fun, and we maintain our health through every month of the year. Mm-hmm. We respect and acknowledge those that have a different view about it, but unless we're in a profession that requires us or asks us to help change that condition, we just love them unconditionally, and 
they can go about what they're doing. And if they get sick, we still love them and wish them well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I just think it makes it even harder for people who are fearful and who don't know about this kind of thing, how they can actually influence their health and their, their well-being in general to be constantly told that this is what's going to happen because then your body, your mind, you starts to believe it. Yep. Well, I have another placard on my desk for fear, F-E-A-R, that says false expectations appearing real. So ah, uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, when we experience fear, mm-hmm. uh, and by the way, if I'm, you know, in an accident and my child has got their leg pinned underneath the car, I better react real quick and get the best help we can because, you know, it, it would be natural to have concern. That's appropriate. Uh, yeah. As, yeah, exactly. But but most fears are illusionary. Mm-hmm. It's the anticipation right. of something bad that is going to happen or could happen that oftentimes does not. Mm-hmm. But that feeling of fear and what it does to our whole bodily system and our energy field is not a healing energy. And and so we just, I think, need to develop a greater sense of reality as it re- relates to fear. And there are real, you know, fear situations that can happen, mm-hmm. uh, like I say, a, an accident or something that we were not experiencing. But we don't need to buy, we can, we can choose to. And I love all those unconditionally that think winter's coming, it's going to get worse, it's going to be terrible. Fine, I love you unconditionally just the way you are. But if your experience of that fear results in a disruption of your well-being and your health, uh, then you have a choice to make as to whether it's time to disconnect that particular source of data input Because remember, the subconscious loves you unconditionally Mm -hmm. and works Mm 24-7, carrying out the instructions given to it by your conscious mind, positive or negative. Mm -hmm. So you have such an incredible, thus the title, expand the power of your subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what this whole discussion with the whole book is about and is an empowering, enlightening aha, because this is not taught in our schools or regular educational system. Should be. So I, <laughs> well, hopefully, yes, that, that's, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. And, uh, but I, I, I just sit here right now, you know, with a feeling of love. Just great love for all the people that are taking the time, uh, Janine, to listen to your show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm so grateful and feel, feel so blessed that you've invited me to be part of this discussion today. Well, I do feel that from you. I, I have one last question I would like to ask. <clears throat> Is yes, there ma'am. an enlightened way to deal with criticism? Well, yes. Uh, are you talking about self-criticism or criticism that you observe from others? Um, it could be either, which, you know, whichever one you, you would like to address. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about others criticizing yeah. a certain situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, depending on their state of emotion, mm-hmm determines whether we consider it criticizing or just stating some observation as they see it. Right. But let's mm-hmm. assume they're all revved up and this is so bad and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, we can respect their choice to feel that way. Mm-hmm. We can work our way through the emotional part of their criticism mm-hmm. and say, Uh, what are the facts in what they're saying here that could be of value to me? There may be some information here that I need to be more aware of. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we just need to 
take a deep breath, and not get sucked into their energy field mm-hmm. uh, and maintain our own love. You know, the number one affirmation we teach mm-hmm. is for people to say, I love myself unconditionally. <laughs> and unconditionally is a word that we use for emphasis. Mm-hmm. But I love myself unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And I have unconditional warm regards for all people at all times. Now, again, all is for emphasis. Mm-hmm. Somebody running up and down with a knife in their hand, stabbing people, it's pretty hard to have pretty warm, you know, have <laughs> warm regards warm regards for. But um, uh, I think the greatest value in your question is to say, have I been experiencing more self-criticism than is necessary, and is it necessary at all? Mm-hmm. Now, constructive criticism mm-hmm. is where we look for solutions and what it is we're analyzing. Right. So, uh, but self-criticism, some people just think they need to beat themselves up. It's part of life's process, and mom and dad wouldn't be proud of me if I didn't beat myself up. I mean, I'm not blaming mom and dad here. Don't misunderstand me. Because everybody does exactly the best job they could possibly do at the time of where they are in time and place in their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, we do love everybody unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And that's the number two affirmation. Mm -hmm. And I think with criticism, it's, yeah, you made a good point. You know, is it constructive? Is, Is this meant to be constructive? Or is it just meant to be negative. I know a lot of times with criticism, I try to step away and, and say, well, you know, does this person have a point? You know, is there something to this? Or, no, I totally disagree. Or maybe I, dis- I, maybe I agree, you know. But actually to look at it, I try to look at it as neutrally as I can to see if there's something there that I should look at. Well, that's, that's true. I mean, informa- there can be informational criticism that's very helpful if somebody says, it just drives me crazy, and I'm so upset with all these people driving through this school district at fast speeds mm-hmm. where they could hit somebody. Well, yeah, you should be upset with them. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're wrong in terms of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I may not be able to change them, but I can certainly be more aware of certainly of how I drive. Mm-hmm. And if there's any of those people I know or recognize, I might have the opportunity to have a little side conversation mm-hmm. and say, gosh, I saw you, you know, and you're a really good friend, and I... Just hope you're aware that da-da-da-da-da-da, if we want to, you know. This has been great, Jim. So once again, how can people connect with your work? Well, go to my website, uh, my name, all in lowercase, C. James Jensen, J-E-N-S-E-N dot com. And in there, there's uh, all these interviews that we have are, and this interview will be recorded in there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of really great data from a lot of wonderful people making really great contributions. Mm-hmm. And I guess, uh, and I thank you so much for allowing me to be on your show. And I, I, the one last thought I'd like to share with the audience is that most of us have been trained to believe that growth is always a process of addition. If we're here, we really want to be here, then we want to be here. And it's it's adding to all of the data input that we have received from birth. Mm-hmm. And to me, Tim Galway, who wrote The Inner Game of Tennis, I'd asked him one time, I said, Tim, enlightenment, what does that word mean? And and this is in the last chapter of the book, moving on an invitation to the path of enlightenment. And, and rather than perceiving growth as always a process of ad- addition, and by the way, there will be many wonderful things that we will continue to add in our life, but we need to also be aware that growth can also be a process of subtraction. And what are some, what's some of the data input beliefs Uh, thoughts that I have about things that are no longer relevant to how I choose to live my life. 
and that gets back to the barge of garbage in, in the water which the tugboat is pulling through. And one of those things that I can just say at this point, okay, great. And, and, and we, don't be, we just say thank you. Thank you, God, for giving me that. I'm no longer going to feel that way about this or that, and it's no longer part of who I am, period. And we just kind of flush it down the toilet. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a very enlightening part of our growth process. Mm-hmm. That, I love that metaphor, too. I think that's great. It, it's, you can really, it's not hard to visualize that. <laughs> <laughs> You're cute. So as we, as we unload uh, the garbage that we've been carrying, is, it, <clears throat> our load becomes lighter, less stress. Uh, on our body, on our mind, on our spirit. But one last thing, your book, do people get that through your website? They can go to Amazon. It's also in Barnes & Noble. And uh, again, the title of the book is Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind. Well, this is a great time to read your book, Jim. And I think really it's needed right now. Well, Janine, thank you so much for including me on, on your show. And to your audience, thank you so much for being part of our conversation. And it is true that I love you all unconditionally and hope someday that I have the opportunity to meet you in person. I really do feel that from you. Thank you. Take care, Jim. Thank you, Jim Jensen, for sharing your work with us. I have no doubt that many will benefit. The podcast website is realjanine.com, where you can listen to or download episodes and click on my links to my guest information. And remember, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. To subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine, go to your favorite podcast provider and check out my podcast YouTube channel with video slideshows of my conversations if you're into YouTube. Do you know someone who would benefit from my conversation with Jim Jensen? Please share with your family and friends. It will be appreciated by all. Thanks for listening. Take care and be well.